Amen. Well, as I had mentioned earlier, we're going to be doing a different uh, series today, and this is kind of a one-off message on mothers, Um, and it's of course fitting because this is Mother Day weekend, and today is Mother's Day. Um, So I invite you at this time to take your Bibles and open to the book of Luke. If you have a Bible, I'll be putting most of the scriptures that will be in today up on the screen for those of you that don't. Um, So we'll be in Luke chapter 1 this week, and uh, we'll mainly be in the concluding verses of chapter 1. You know, when I think of mothers, I now get to think of my wife, and I get to see her as a mom to my kids, and I'm very grateful. And as I mentioned earlier on today during our congregational prayer time, her job is definitely harder than my job. And men, I I encourage you to, to remind your wives of that, because that is most likely true. Um, mothers are just special. I remember when I was a boy growing up in South Florida, we had moved to a new town. And I was really struggling with this move because I didn't want to move to this new town, but it was the right kind of move for my family. My dad got a promotion at his job, and we were moving into a larger home, and everything was truly right other than how I felt. And I remember my mom seeing that I was struggling to find a friend and live in a new place. She brought me to the local mall. And in that mall, there was a mom and pop's toy shop filled with all different kinds of stuffed animals. And I was, I was thinking about how this month we're collecting stuffed animals. I thought of the story of when my mom brought me to that shop and let me pick out a little stuffed animal. And while I don't sleep with that stuffed animal anymore, I still have that stuffed animal, believe it or not. And uh, he sits right by my bed, and it's a reminder to me of my mother's love and that she helped me find a friend and comfort me when I didn't have one. Mothers have a great ability of being able to sense the needs in their own children and be able to meet those needs, and I know my mom did that for me on a number of occasions, and believe it or not, she still does it today. And uh, even though I'm now in my 30s and am a father myself, my mom still makes an impact. And I think that's just the way it goes. For as long as she has breath in her lungs, she's going to love me. She's going to care for me. And I understand that that might not be the story of every person's mother. Not every mother takes that duty seriously. But today we're going to look at the life of a very special mother in Scripture. Uh, None other than the mother of Jesus, Mary. One of probably scripture's greatest mothers of all time. But what we're going to look at in her story was not necessarily her greatness, per se, in the sense of great extravagance or, uh, that she had, but rather the things, the small things, the subtle things that made her a truly remarkable woman. So again, open up to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be reading today 
from verses 26 to 38. And, you know, normally when we um, do these verses of Scripture, normally what we'll do is we'll take a couple of verses and maybe dissect them, or I'll read one verse at a time and we'll talk about it. But this time I felt led to read the whole entire narrative to you. And the reason is, is because I want you to be able to catch on to what makes Mary special. So I've said this before, and I'm going to continue to say it because I think it is worth repeating, that it's easy for us to read Scripture, and because we've been separated by 2,000 years of life, we, in some ways, we, we miss out on the historical context. We fail to sometimes put ourselves in the shoes of the individual that we're reading about. So I want to invite you now to think of yourself in that time. To be a young girl or a young lady living in a smaller town in the region of Palestine. And to be visited by a messenger for God, from God. And what that would have felt like. And specifically how Mary handles this situation. So Luke 1 verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive in is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So this passage, as it says in the, in the opening verses, takes place in the town of Nazareth. So just to kind of show you where that town is on the map, this is a first century picture or, or, or map, that is, of the region of Palestine. 
And you'll notice that I have circled in red the region of Galilee. So Jesus lived in this town in Nazareth, which was southwest of the Sea of Galilee. So this is the town that Jesus was born in. So this is where Mary lived, and this young girl, Mary, was pledged to be married to a gentleman named Joseph. And as scripture tells us, Joseph is a descendant of who? Of David. Now, I think when we read these verses, though, as nice as they are to hear, the main takeaways that we have when we think of these verses here or the person of Mary is we think, one, that Mary was a virgin to be married, and two, that God conceived a child through Mary whose name was to be what? Jesus. And I think when we think of the person of Mary, that's where our mind goes, right? That she was supposed to be married to Joseph and that she was going to have a child through immaculate conception and that child's name was going to be Jesus. And that sums up her life. But in reality, if you think about it, her story and who she was and even this encounter shows so much more than just a random girl who was selected for a noble task. Her life is so much more than just a woman meant to be married and a woman who was going to divinely usher in a wonderful child named Jesus. And I think sometimes that could be a feeling that we have over ourselves, right? We might be known for certain things and maybe uh, we're summed up wrongly or, or maybe we're summed up rightly in a couple of sentences, but does it really capture who we are? Is the life of Mary really boiled down to two different things? You see, I think her life is rather remarkable. And I think what distinguishes her life is not so much so the fact that she was meant to be married, but how she handled these encounters. You see, I think what made Mary great wasn't just that she was divinely chosen to usher in this child, Jesus, but her posture and her attitude in accepting that beautiful gift. And I think that is what we want to talk about today. I think that is what we want to be able to learn from today. And whether you're a man or you're a woman, that is something worth looking at. Specifically, Mary's humility. So let's go ahead and look a little bit more into her life. You see, if you didn't know this, Israel was in a struggling state during this time. Mary grew up in a time where for over 400 years, the people of Israel 
hadn't really heard from God. At least not heard from God in the ways of what we see in the Old Testament. There wasn't a single page added to Scripture, although some may argue that the book of Maccabees could have been one. But there wasn't a single page added to Scripture, a prophet that spoke words that were recorded into a biblical text. And the people were in this constant state of waiting for God to show up. I don't know about you, but there are so many moments in my life where I'm praying to the Lord and I'm wanting him to show up. And maybe I feel encouraged for a moment, but two days goes by, sometimes it's just one hour. And I go, God, why are you taking so long to answer my prayers? Well, for Israel, it was 400 years of this, of being under the thumb of nation after nation after nation that would conquer them and rule over them and in very many ways oppress their lives. So when this angel comes and enters into the scene and visits with Mary, This is a beautiful moment within history of the world. Because why? Because God is making good on his promise. He's showing up in their lives and is bringing forth a plan that he started and put in motion all the way back into Genesis chapter 3. That eventually a seed would spring forth. And would ultimately do what? Crush the head of the serpent. For those that don't know, scholars believe that that is also foreshadowing of the person of Jesus and what he's going to do on the cross. And that ultimately he's going to put an end to sin and the death that it brings. So when this angel comes into Mary's life, she's feeling the weight of this. So let's read verse 28 again. It says, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this may be. You see, I find Mary's response to be rather ironic. I think anytime someone comes and knocks on my office and says something kind, greetings, pastor, who's the best pastor in the whole world, I would be very happy to hear that. But what's Mary's response? Mary's response is that she becomes troubled over what is is being spoken over her. I think I would be so happy to hear something like that. So why is it that she becomes troubled? Could it be that maybe she doesn't know herself? I think that could possibly be an explanation. Mary maybe doesn't see herself the way that God sees her. 
Or maybe Mary is just humble enough to not think more highly of herself than she should. And here kind of unfolds at least one more layer of who Mary is. You see, I think that the reason why Mary most likely or possibly responded in this way is, one, it's a pretty startling thing if an angel shows up in your house, right? But two, I think Mary just had a humble disposition. You see, I think that there is a difference sometimes between what's called, what I would call false humility and genuine humility. You see, false humility, in my opinion, is when somebody does what? When they try to bring the attention on themselves by maybe offering a negative comment. Maybe they do something like this. Oh, I'm just no good at it. (laughs) And they look to see who's looking back at them. And maybe they put themselves down, but really they only do it so that what? Someone will come and put their arm around them and say, no, you really are great at it. Really? Do you think so? (laughs) We laugh because we've all probably at one time or another done it. I know I have with my wife, you know. Maybe I work on something in the home and I think I do a good job, but I want her to say a little bit more and maybe I'll go, oh, you know, the painting could have come out better and I'm hoping she'll go, no, honey, it's great. You did a great job. That, in some ways, is a form of false humility. And I think brought to its extreme, we need to be very careful. Why? Because it's still a form of pride. Anytime you are wrongly bringing attention to yourself, you could be committing the sin of pride. Think about that. We need to, as Christians, work hard to make sure that we're not thinking of ourselves more highly than we should. And I think Mary in this moment being troubled over the words of the angel could just be an example of the type of humility that she carried over herself. Not so much so that she was insecure, although that could be part of the reason, but rather she seems to live in such a way that she is thinking about others, or at least God, more than she's thinking about herself. Church, I cannot encourage you enough to live life humbly. If you don't know who Dwight L. Moody is, Dwight L. Moody is a famous evangelist from the 19th century. He put it this way when speaking about humility. A man can counterfeit love. He can counterfeit faith. He can counterfeit hope and all the other graces, but it's very difficult to counterfeit Humility.
I think many of us, when we think of our mothers, we think of what? Their humble sacrifice. The times that they were willing to sacrifice themselves to make their families better. Their willingness to set aside their desires for the sake of others, to serve instead of to be served, to love, to care, to nurture without repayment or praise. It would seem to me that Mary is this kind of person. But let's keep on reading. It says in verse 30, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. If you didn't know, the Hebrew derivative for this world is Yeshua, and it means the Lord is salvation. Verse 32, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And just like that, we will witness God's plan unfolding in the life of Mary. But what would you even say to something like that? I mean, it would almost have to feel shocking, right, if an angel told you this incredible plan. I mean, it almost might even feel like a joke that Mary is going to bring forth this blessing for the whole entire world. But you see, that is the beauty of God, that God works through what? Through people. See, one of the beautiful things about being a part of a church is that we get to see the Lord work through each of us. And God is using Mary to do what? To fulfill his plan and his promise for the world. Church, make no mistake, I'm one puzzle piece of how God works through this world. Barb, or whomever's on the piano, whomever's singing, whomever's up here on the stage, they're just one puzzle piece of how God works through the world. Church, if you are a Christian, and if you are a part of this place, know this, that God wants to use you to be able to make an impact on this world, because that is how God operates. He operates through people. So make no mistake that if you have breath in your lungs, then there is a purpose in your life. There is a purpose in a way that God wants to use you. One thing that I'm oftentimes pained over, and I think many of you already know my history before coming to this church, but for those of you that might not know my, my history, I want to just touch on it just slightly, that I grew up and worked in many large churches, what would be known as mega churches. And some of the churches that I worked at had seven different campuses and, and thousands of people, and I'm talking about tens of thousands in some churches that I worked at, of people. 
And you know, I don't want to knock God's church. That's not my goal. But one of the most painful things of over those experiences and something that has in some ways pushed me to, to, to care more for the local church, the neighborhood church, a church like peace, is because oftentimes when a church is that large, people could very easily forget their importance. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a church that large. But I want to continue to remind us that we as a body of people, we come into this place, yes, wanting to be blessed with a word on Sunday, wanting to sing songs, wanting the Lord to be able to leave a mark on our lives. But we also join into this fellowship so that we can make a difference in each other's lives, so that we could care for one another, so that we can love on each other, as well as reach our neighborhood even better through the love of Jesus. This is why at times, and I know it's a normal part of life, I really struggle when I hear that somebody is quote unquote church shopping and i get it right you join you you go to a new neighborhood and 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 you need to do that a little bit right you need to in some ways feel out and discern where god would have you be but it's hard for me in some ways because it's so important for you to also see yourself as where is the lord calling me not just what i'm receiving but also how i'm giving back. That was on full display for me this past week. An email went out uh, that Ginger sent out this past week, and many of you might have known that my family fell ill to norovirus. So what that basically meant for us this past week is we um, got to do a forced body cleanse. (laughs) And, um, you know, it was very inexpensive. (laughs) Uh, But what ended up happening is this last Sunday, Everett got sick. So you may have noticed that my wife wasn't with me during potluck. And uh, it was because she was in the car trying to manage Everett, who was throwing up. And we just thought, well, he's a baby. He's happy still. He's smiling. This is just baby things. So eventually someone gets me to to go and, and help out in the car. But by the following day... One by one, we start getting knocked out like dominoes, and I'm the first to go, then Theodore, then Michaela, and then by two or three in the morning, I'm calling the ambulance for Michaela, who's on the verge of passing out because she's so dehydrated and just really, really struggling. So the ambulance comes, and they take her, they bring her to the hospital, she gets IV fluids, but I'm in a total wreck situation where I have a baby that's crying, Theodore is throwing up every 15 to 20 minutes, and I just don't know what to do. So if you missed a call from me at 3 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday, that's probably why. So I immediately just start calling people because I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't feel like I can hold the kids. The babies are crying. I mean, it's just, it's chaotic. So I break down, I call Jessica, Jessica sends Adam, Adam comes over and helps us out in getting through this whole entire moment, which is why Adam is also not here today, because I unfortunately 
made Adam sick, and that's now trailed on to Austin. So pray for them. But I was so thankful because in very many ways, it was a reminder to me in that moment of what the church represents. And it may seem like I'm veering away from, well, what does this have to do with Mary? How does Mary have any involvement with the church? Well, I think that God uses people in order to make all of us better. But the most important part of that recipe is being able to realize for ourselves this important and key ingredient when it comes to our faith. And that's our big idea for today, that God uses humble hearts. I'll say that once more. God uses humble hearts hearts. You see, when Mary was asked that question, or when Mary was told that she would bring forth this child, her first response is pretty natural. She just says, how will this be? I'm a virgin. Now, some people wrongly, our Catholic friends wrongly use this as a proof text that Mary was, was, was going to be a perpetual virgin throughout her whole life. I think that's a misreading of this text. But then the angel tells her this in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And he goes on to say how it's exactly going to happen. But listen closely to verse 38, because I think this once again highlights our big idea. And that is Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. The, the word used for, the, for, for, for servant there that the modern-day Bible translators use is the word dule. And if you have an old King James Bible lying around, one of the better translations for that word could be handmade. We don't really use that word in our common language very often, so that's probably why the Bible translators decided to use the word servant instead. But what that word would really mean is something like a handmaid or a slave. So when Mary is saying, I'm the Lord's servant, she's not just saying, I'm a servant. She's, she's really just saying, I am at the beck and call. I am willing to do whatever the Lord asks for of me and for me because ultimately he is the master and I am the slave. He is the king and I am the subject. I am his handmaid. That is what Mary is communicating to this angel over this pronouncement of her being able to be the mother of Jesus. And I think here lies the heart of motherhood, the heart of how we as people need to grow in life, and ultimately, why Mary was as special as she was. Not because she was the most stunning person we have 
no idea whether she was or wasn't. Not because she was just this fantastic individual with all these talents. Scripture doesn't even mention it. She could have. But because I believe she had a humble heart that was submitted to God. Church, it is so important to have a humble heart. And it again, God uses humble hearts. If you want to be used by God, then be a humble person because a humble person tries to do what? They try to take the focus off of themselves and bring the focus back on God. They try to put aside their needs and uplift what God desires for them. If you want to be used by God, God uses humble hearts. And make no mistake, motherhood is not easy. Life is not easy. But having humility does make it in some ways a little bit more bearable. Because when we are humble, we can listen to God that much more. We could be used by God that much more. And I think the reason why God chose Mary was because she ultimately had the kind of heart that would always go back and look at her king. That's why I believe God chose Mary and why God was able to use her for this special privilege of literally entrusting his son to her who would be the savior of the world through this woman who had a humble heart. I'll end with one more quote that won't be on the screen from Dwight Moody once more who said this, let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. Let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. Let's pray.